It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I'm Mark Feinsand of MLB.com. Welcome to the Executive Access Podcast. In our constant effort to evolve, we're trying something new this week. There are transactions in baseball to change the course of history, some impacting a single season's pennant race, others sparking a potential dynasty. How do they come about? How do these monumental moves get made between teams trying to do what's best for their respective franchises? Was it close to not happening? Did another club enter the fray at the 11th hour? Executive Access will examine these questions and more, speaking with the men and women involved in these transactions to tell the entire story. This week, we look at the August 2017 trade that sent former American League MVP and Cy Young Award winner Justin Verlander from the Tigers to the Astros, a move that propelled Houston to its first ever World Series championship. As the July 31st non-waiver trade deadline approached, contenders around the majors were seeking upgrades for their respective rotations. The Cubs dealt for Jose Quintana of the White Sox early in the month, while deadline day saw the Yankees trade for Oakland's Sonny Gray and the Dodgers pull off a last-minute deal with the Rangers for Hugh Darvish. Houston had been engaged in talks with Baltimore about closer Zach Britton, but in the end, the Astros opted to stand pat, making only a minor trade for lefty Francisco Liriano before the deadline. With a 16-game lead in the American League West, Houston general manager Jeff Luno may not have thought his team needed any significant additions, but one of his marquee players did not agree with that assessment. Dallas Keuchel, the 2015 AL Cy Young Award winner and Houston's ace, told reporters, quote, I'm not going to lie, disappointment is a little bit of an understatement, unquote. Keuchel went on to say that although he and his teammates believed in themselves, watching other contenders bolster their rosters while his team stood pat was frustrating, leaving a negative vibe inside the clubhouse. I feel like we could we could have upgraded, and um, and I, I want to voice that because of the disconnect between the front office and the players, and and um, they have a tough job as it is, and I'm I wasn't I wasn't trying to tell them how to do their job by any means. I just wanted to let the rest of the players know that I had their back in voicing something to the front office because there's a lot of guys in our clubhouse that that didn't get get along with what they did or did not do. So that was the main reason for it, but I felt like we did need another pitcher on, on the staff or on the starting rotation. Luno didn't begrudge Keuchel for his comments, knowing how badly the pitcher simply wanted to win. Luno felt he had done what was best for the Astros at the deadline, which meant at the time not making a big move. The two men sat down shortly after July 31st to discuss the situation. I had to sit down with Jeff, and, and um, yeah, I think he was kind of taken back a little bit by what I said, but I, I didn't say it in a manner that I meant disrespect by any means. It was just me voicing my opinion and, and saying, hey, I think we can really make a run at this. We have a good enough team already, but there's other teams making upgrades from, from good good teams, and I think I referenced... You could make a great, a good team great, and then a great team legendary, and and that's what we that's what we were striving for the whole time is is the f- the first World Series championship in Astros history, and 
it, it doesn't get any more special than that. Astros manager A.J. Hinch understood Keiko's frustration. The emotion around the trade deadline has grown over my years in baseball. I mean, now there's an expectation that you have to do something. You need to do something. You can have the best team in baseball and something can be improved, whether it's a, a lefty in the pen, a righty in the pen, a bench player, a backup player, potentially a positional uh, starter. There's there's great pressure on front offices nowadays to 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 do something, anything get to that that will inspire the fans, the players, the coaches, the manager, everybody. So when that passed in July, um, you know, obviously there's a there's a lot of of Monday morning quarterbacking. The Astros dropped three straight at home against the Rays after the deadline, starting a slide that saw Houston go two and nine to open August. The Astros still held a 12 game lead in the division but they didn't feel like the team with the American League's best record. I'm not saying guys came in uh, already defeated, but it, it was kind of a blow to the stomach. And, and you know, as, as grown men and people trying to, guys trying to win ball games and, and bring a World Series title to a city, uh, it, it really did hurt. It was, it was kind of, you know, like losing a, uh, like your first girlfriend or something that you, I guess that you never had, but... Um, it, it it really it was really a somber mood in the clubhouse and and we hear rumblings of this and that or a different guy and and uh, but at that point after like a week and a half it was hey guys we we really got to figure this out. The Tigers meanwhile began their rebuilding process in late July, trading J D Martinez and Alex Avila before the deadline. July thirty first came and went, but that didn't mean the Tigers were done dealing. Verlander, sensing what might be in the cards, even approached Tigers GM Al Avila to discuss the future. Because Verlander held 10-5 rights, he could veto any potential deal, giving him an incredible amount of control when it came to being traded. I had told him, um, yes, obviously, uh, it would need to be the right situation, um, but uh, yeah, I was, I was willing, um, especially once we started kind of trading away some pieces, that I, I think at one point I actually went to him and asked him what the plan was because... I was okay with being part of uh, of the team moving forward, but I wasn't okay with being part of a complete teardown. Verlander's willingness only to move to a contender left Avila with a limited market, one made even more limited by the desire of teams such as the Yankees and Dodgers to keep their payrolls beneath the competitive balance tax threshold in 2018. Taking on Verlander's $28 million salary for that season would make that goal next to impossible. Let me just give you a, a good perspective here, too, okay, and the limitations of, of moving a, a player with a contract like a Justin Upton or a Justin Verlander, because in today's market, it's so different. Not every team can afford that, and not so much because they can't afford the cash that they would have to actually pay, but, you know, there's uh, the luxury tax ramifications that many teams, in particular big market teams that could afford them financially, can't afford them based on, they, they can't go over the luxury tax now because of the new rules. So there's a lot of limits now of where you can move those kind of salaries, those kind of contracts. So, um, you know, that's what really makes it difficult. And that's why in this situation, it was kind of the perfect storm because you had the Houston Astros that right now have one of the best teams in all of baseball, with, with room for luxury tax, you know, for, for that kind of addition to that kind of contract. And um, obviously, you know, it was, it was a you know, good fit. Things got a little better for the Astros in mid-August as they went 8-6 and six over their next 14 games. But when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston while the team was in Anaheim in late August, it added a real-life distraction for the players, many of whom had family back in Houston. Having been displaced from their home ballpark by the Hurricane, the Astros played a three-game series against the Rangers at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. 
They were set to return to Houston for the first time since the storm, following their day game on August 31st, which was also the final day teams could acquire players to be eligible for the postseason roster. Here's Astros manager A.J. Hinch. So there was so much going on that day because we had a day game in Tampa. So to start the day, we had a day game in Tampa. Um, and we were getting back to Houston for the first time since the hurricane. Um, so there was a ton of emotion in the air. We knew it was the deadline. We knew we were going home. Um, we didn't know what we were going to go see. We didn't know if we were going to do anything. Um, we get on the plane. We land in in Houston, and it was our first sight of all the floodwaters. And from flying in and landing at Bush International to driving on the buses to downtown, um, it, needless to say, it was an emotional night. Hinch and his wife Erin had settled in on the back patio at their home, talking about the hurricane, the trade deadline, and everything in between. Then the text messages started to roll in. And there's two different text exchanges that are going on. One's with me and my coaches uh, about, of all things, college football. And, and we're trying to just get past all of the emotion and make it normal and talk about normal things. The, the second chain was with the, our front office, uh, led by Jeff Luna. And we were, we were talking about the trades that were possible. The trade was on, the trade was off, the players that were involved. Phone calls were coming back and forth. I'm on the back patio trying to, trying to just talk about everything from, you know, uh, controlling the damage in our neighborhood to uh, potentially adding one of the best pitchers of our generation. Luno and Avila had discussed a potential Verlander trade several times, though it appeared the two sides would not match up, much to Hinch's dismay. When the deadline was fast approaching, Jeff called me and the deal was off. And that was a deflating feeling that, that you know, it's hard to describe and, and um, thinking that our team could have gotten so much better with one acquisition. In an effort to make some late tweaks to the roster, the Astros had been working to acquire Cameron Mabin from the Angels, who in Luno's words, didn't just want to give the outfielder away to Houston. As the day went on, something changed. And suddenly the Angels' uh, attitude changed and they were willing to essentially hand us Cameron Mabin for not very much. The reason was we found out they had traded for Upton and it became clear to us and others, including potentially Justin, that Detroit was indeed selling at that point. And so I think that might have increased both Detroit's appetite to go ahead now that they've let the first piece go to start really working harder on the other pieces and, and same thing potentially for Justin in the final moments where he had to make his decision, recognizing that Detroit really had turned a corner and wasn't gonna go back. Indeed, Detroit's trade of Upton to the Angels didn't just make it easier for the Astros to land Mabin, but it also reopened the door for a Verlander deal, which was now gaining momentum, until it wasn't. I did get a sense after the Upton trade that, um, that Detroit was willing to work a little harder on this, as were we. Um, we had a couple more conversations that afternoon, and there, there came a point where I thought the deal was dead because both again on the money and the players, we were just too far apart. And Al Avila's a pretty straight shooter. When he tells you this is what he's willing to do, you know, I believe him. And, and in that case, um, I, I knew what we were willing to do and we, we just weren't that close together. So I went about my day. The Upton trade made Verlander wonder about his own future. I reached out to, uh, to Al um, after I got wind of that trade that morning. Um, and kind of try to find out what the situation was for me personally, um, who they were talking to, and 
Um, at that point, he told me it, it looked highly unlikely that anything were to happen. I don't know whether that conversation prompted him to reach out further or um, whether just the situation made the Astros kind of pursue it even more. Um, I, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. Um, but, yeah, for me personally, that was also a, a big, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a warning bell, I guess, if you will. It's like, hey, uh, you know, the ship's going down. Uh, here's a life raft. You know, do you want to get off? Um, you know, at this point in my career, I just couldn't be part of, of uh, you know, a five-year rebuild process. Verlander wanted to go to a contender, and he had always been intrigued by the National League. He had told the Tigers he would approve a trade to four teams, the Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, and Cubs, the latter two having reportedly shown interest. But with every passing minute that day, it appeared Verlander would finish out the season in Detroit. I think the Cubs and the Dodgers uh, were the two National League teams uh, that were, had shown interest. Um, so that was something that was appealing to me to pitch in the National League. Um, you know, obviously, I, I had been to the playoffs a bunch, and even though I knew the Astros were probably the best team in the American League, I also know that when you get to the playoffs, it's a coin flip. You know, if, if somebody were to say, hey, you're going to go win a World Series, it's a no-brainer. I mean, not easy decision. But, um, you know, I think from my perspective, there were a lot of teams that, you know, were really good, and, and um, you know, that National League thing was, it was a bit of a draw. The Cubs and Dodgers had respectively added Quintana and Darvish a month earlier, so neither club appeared willing to make a big move for Verlander, who was still owed $56 million in 2018 and 19. The Yankees had added Gray to their rotation, and with their mandate to get beneath the competitive balance tax threshold in 2018, taking on Verlander's contract made the issue a non-starter for general manager Brian Cashman. Yeah, we couldn't financially make it work. It's easy when you go through that process and it was like, Ownership's not taking on that contract. Okay. That left the Astros, whose rotation had been ravaged by injuries for the past two months. The two GMs had spoken the night before, but neither believed they were close enough to think a trade would take place. Here's Luno. It was going to take something unusual for, uh, for it to get started again, but it wasn't too late in the morning where we touched base again and uh, realized that maybe we weren't as far apart as, as we thought we were the night before we went to sleep. So... Uh, we had all day to work on it. Um, we both made our positions very clear and whose uh, authority we needed to get in order to, to get it across the finish line. We were uh, apart both in terms of players as well as money at that point. Um, we had looked at how much we'd be willing to uh, pay um, for the rest of Justin's contract and also what players we would include in the deal. And, um, and we, I'd say we were still far enough apart in the morning, but not so far apart that it wasn't worth working on. So uh, we both went about our days. Luno, who was in Los Angeles visiting family, was at his nephew's Little League practice waiting to talk to a group of 11-year-olds when his phone rang. That's when I got a call from Al, and there had been a little bit of movement on their side. And uh, I had... Uh, I've been thinking a lot about, okay, if they move, what am I going to do in response to that to make this thing happen? So um, all of a sudden, the thing was back alive, uh, but we were now about three hours from the deadline on the East Coast, and of course, it's still afternoon in California. It was time to call Jim Crane, the Astros owner. I raced back up to my uh, in-laws place where I was staying and uh, made a few phone calls on the way up there to, to Jim, and, and we talked about... Uh, the final concession we might want to make on the money and so forth. And there was a player concession at the very end that both sides were going to make. I was going to give them the player they wanted as the 
final piece, but I was going to ask for a minor league player back as a way to sort of deflect that somewhat. So we were going back and forth on really now we're down to the fourth or fifth pieces of the deal. So I knew from a player perspective we were pretty close. Um, you know, Jim thought about it and, and decided to give us the approval to go up on the money as well. So um, I remember uh, getting into the shower um, and my phone started ringing and I got out of the shower, stripping wet, it was Al, and I told him what our final offer was and, and he said he would accept it and that that deal uh, would be done with those players and that money. And so I jumped back in the shower, I was very happy, <laughs> got out, got dressed, um, went downstairs, you know, told my wife and my in-laws who were hanging around having a dinner party. Um, I didn't tell them what was happening, but I told them that there was good news. The deal was done, but until Verlander agreed to waive his no-trade clause, the agreement was a theoretical one at best. Verlander had been out to dinner near his home with his fiance Kate Upton, when word of a potential trade reached him. So we had just finished dinner and we were walking home, pretty late dinner. Um, and uh, yeah, I so like, saw that my phone rang and saw it was Al and was like, my heart just kind of like sunk. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Um, sure enough, you know, hey Justin, it's Al. We, we have a decision in place where we have a trade in place. You need to decide whether you want to accept it or not. Uncertain that Houston was the right place for him, Verlander was leaning towards rejecting the deal. I got a call from Al. Uh, a few minutes later telling me that he had spoken to Justin and that, that the, the trade was not going to go through. Um, it wasn't the players, it wasn't the money. It was Justin had five and ten rights, a full no trade, and the ability to nix the deal, and, and he wasn't necessarily comfortable at that point. So um, that was hugely disappointing. I had already told AJ and Jim that we had the player, um, so I had to call them both back and tell them that uh, there was a hitch. Luno had asked for and received permission from the Tigers to contact Verlander directly, so the Astros GM deployed his troops to make a literal 11th hour sales pitch to the right-hander. With an hour left before the deadline, there was a lot that had to happen for a deal to get done. The teams poured through the medical files of all players involved, while the potential deal, which included money, was sent to the commissioner's office for approval in the event that Verlander agreed to waive his no-trade clause. We, we proceed as if the deal's going to happen and, and that somehow Justin's going to change his mind. Now, we never spoke to Justin up until that point, so I don't know if he said, uh, if he really said no or he said, let me think about it. You'll have to ask him that. Um, but uh, Jim, um, uh, Jim did end up reaching him and talking to him about his concerns with the organization, the city, etc., and Dallas proactively called Justin and spoke to him as well. Proactively? Not exactly. Keiko was settling into his bed that night when his phone rang. It was Crane, the Astros owner. I was like, well, why is he calling me at 11 something at, at, at night? And I was like, did I get traded or, you know, whatever? And so I answered and he said, well, I need your help with something. And I said, all right, what is it? And he said, we're, we're, we're trying to get Verlander and... and and uh, I think the deal's almost done. I want you to just call him and, and kind of reassure him that, that our team is, is for real and, and the city is, is, gonna be, is gonna be great. It's gonna rally behind him. And then after the, after the hurricane, we're all gonna come together. The city itself is great and uh, he's gonna fit right in. Keiko did as he was asked and placed the call, reaching Verlander on his cell phone. He was in a panic, um, like I knew he, w he was going to be. And I just told him, I said, hey, I'm not gonna, I only want to take 30 seconds out of your time, a minute out of your time, and I just want you to know that your decision uh, to come over here is, is 
you're not going to regret it. And I said, the only thing that you're missing in your career is a World Series title. And I said, I think that you want that just based on, on the people that I know that know you. And I know myself, if I were you, uh, that's what I would want. And uh, he said, I appreciate it. I could just hear the, the stress in his, in his voice. But that's all I said. And I said, um, you know, I hope to, hope to see that, that you accepted a trade to us. Um, if it does get done, and, and uh, I think that was 10 minutes left. As it turns out, it was Luno who suggested to Crane that Keichel reach out to Verlander. Dallas was my recommendation. Uh, Jim thought about maybe Altuve at first, and, and of course Altuve is a great player, but I really thought Justin would probably uh, get the message more clearly from a pitcher, uh, and especially a pitcher who uh, is, is, is our ace and essentially would be welcoming a co-ace uh, onto the rotation. Keichel had made his case for Verlander to join him in Houston, but time was getting tight now for Luno. I texted Dallas with, now we're talking minutes to go, and I said, Dallas, if you're talking to Justin, get off the phone because we need to get stuff done here. And he said, I've already spoken to him. I think things are going well. I can't say for sure, but I think he really wants to win. The medicals had been cleared on all sides. It was now up to Verlander who had mere minutes to make a monumental life decision. It was pretty high, uh, high level of anxiety. Um, uh, it, I just went from not even thinking about it, uh, thinking that nothing was going to happen, to um, you know, having to make a decision to uproot my life in half an hour. So uh, it was a pretty, pretty intense uh, period of time there. Having heard Keichel's pitch, Verlander found himself agonizing over the decision. I kind of like politely ushered him off the phone too. I was like, hey man, I appreciate the call, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk to my wife. Uh, I, I talked to my agent, talked to my wife, um, you know, talked to a few other people. Um, but those, I mean, really Kate's the one that, uh, you know, her and I just kind of came to the conclusion together. I mean, I had, I had some people say I should go. I had some people say I shouldn't. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of different things um, that, was running through my mind from uh, living situation to my legacy in Detroit, um, the, the the Astros organization uh, and the stigma that you know you don't pitch more than two times through the lineup. I mean that's something that concerned me, uh, honestly, um, and I didn't even address that before I got here. Um, it's kind of like the first thing I talked to AJ about. Um, but yeah, I mean a whole a whole plethora of things running through my mind, um, and ultimately. I mean, the kind of like ultimate, the ultimate decision-making time just came down to the chance to win, you know. And like, like I said, uh, it was pretty clear that the Tigers were selling, uh, selling everybody. Um, and uh, you know, this was my, this was my raft. This was my, this was my chance to get off the sinking ship. And so, I, I definitely, uh, when it came down to it, I, I decided to go. With the Tigers' front office employees stationed outside his building. Verlander rushed downstairs to sign off on the deal before the deadline passed. It was it was a crazy, crazy turn of events. I mean, the, the timing of things was so was so uh, tight that um, I had to. My elevator in my building is pretty slow, so I, I didn't even take my elevator. I ran down the stairs, uh, me and Kate, uh, to to fill out the paperwork because yeah, it was. I mean, it's a hard midnight deadline, so. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, there, there probably should be a movie made about it one day. Signing the papers like 11:59. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was, I, I wasn't in charge of the, the clock, but I knew it was it was uh, extremely tight. I think uh, one of the MLB officials said that they got the like confirmation at like 11:59, 58. You know, it's like 
<laughs> Two seconds to spare. Luno had done everything in his power to make the deal happen, but as the deadline came and went, the Astros GM was still uncertain whether or not he had gotten his man. I didn't know. Uh, for, for 20 minutes, I didn't know if Justin had finally said yes, if we had gotten the paperwork completed, if we had gotten it all submitted and approved by the commissioner's office in time. So uh, I was driving down the hill to dinner and got a call from MLB around 15 minutes after the hour and uh, was told that we had uh, we had indeed gotten the deal over the finish line with literally seconds to spare and please don't put them through that again but that the deal was done so that was uh, that made for a happy ending a lot of heartache throughout the day but uh, at the end of the day um, it, it was the result that we wanted. The final deal saw Verlander go to the Astros while the Tigers received right-hander Franklin Perez outfielder Daz Cameron and catcher Jake Rogers, Houston's number three, nine, and 11 prospects at the time. Detroit also sent $16 million to Houston to help offset the $56 million owed to the right-hander in 2018 and 19. I do remember the comment that Al Avila made to me as we, had, as we finished the deal. He said, Justin's gonna help you win a World Series this year. And I thought, boy, you know, of course he's saying that because he's sort of telling me what a great deal I got. <laughs> Uh, but I thought, boy, if that's, if that's the case, no matter what we gave up, no matter how much we're paying, it will be worth it because it'll be Houston's first championship. The deal was official. Word began making its way to Keuchel and his Astros teammates. Our group chat just started blowing up. So uh, it was like a new day. The next day it was like we had just found the fountain of youth for a, for a team. Hinch's night took a welcome turn with another call from Luno. The deadline passes. My phone rings again, and Jeff had said minutes prior to the deadline, um, things were back on. They agreed to, to another player was it was added to the deal. The money had to be approved by MLB in, in both ownership groups, and Justin Verlander was an Astro. Um, at that point, I, I mean, I didn't know what to think. I was like, I pass out? Was I going to freak out? Was I, I was trying to send texts to my coaches to let them know that we had acquired Verlander, and then um, – um, the next text I get is from, from, from Jeff um, with Justin Verlander's phone number. And that set off a whole new, what I knew at that point, I wasn't going to bed anytime soon. Hinch spoke with Verlander that night, capping a wild four-hour stretch for the manager. So many t twists and turns during that night where you've got our leadership group is all over the place, from Jim to Jeff to me, um, to pulling off what turned out to be one of the biggest moves in franchise history. Um, literally at the 11th hour, uh, as the saying goes, and it, um, it's a night I'll never forget. Avila was pleased with the return the Tigers had received for Verlander, believing he had not settled for a lesser package despite the appearance of a Detroit fire sale. Because it was not a mandate to dump salary, uh, I think is the reason that we got a good trade uh, in, re in return. Because we were prepared to keep Justin Verlander for the remainder of his contract. So that's, when, when you have that alternative, you can stand pat and say, this is, this is what we want. Having pitched the previous night for the Tigers, it was decided that Verlander's Astros debut would come on September 5th, giving him five regular season starts to get acclimated to his new surroundings before the postseason began. Hinch could not have been more excited. When I walked into the room, you know, in September, you walk in the clubhouse and you look at, at, at the jerseys all the time. I mean, it's something that I, that I do routinely just to make sure I continue to appreciate walking into a major league clubhouse that the jerseys are hung. You see the names. There's LTV, there's Correa, there's Springer, there's Reddick. There's, I mean, you go around the room in, in McCann and Gaddis and 
all sorts of guys that, that, that are cool to see, there was a new one, and it was Verlander number 35. And that feeling, um, it just lifts your spirit. It lifts your, the possibilities of what can be, the, the, uh, whatever adrenaline boost you need at the, going into the final month of a long, grueling season. You got it right there with one jersey being hung up. He, bring, he brought credibility. He brought a, a, a togetherness within an organization that the front office is on board with the, with the, with the clubhouse. The clubhouse is back on board with the front office. And the anticipation of what's possible um, can all be summed up by looking at a jersey hung in a locker. The Astros had gone 11-17 and 17 in August, but in Hinch's eyes, Verlander's arrival had changed everything for the team and the fans in a city devastated by Hurricane Harvey. Everybody was talking about Justin Verlander's trade and what that meant for the Astros and what that meant for the city. So I, I think it all surrounded hope. It all surrounded like, you know, a recovery, a recovery from a bad August for us, a recovery for, um, you know, for, for a bad storm in Houston. And they always say sports teams can be therapy for people or can be an outreach for people or it's a release for people. You have some of the, the craziest fandom experiences when people are mad, they're happy, they're sad. Uh, that day, it was about hope. And it was, it was about what, what was possible for the rest of the year for the Astros, but also the rest of the year for the city of Houston. The Astros were now heavy favorites in the American League, having added a veteran who had gone 5-1 and one with a 2.06 ERA during the previous month. Verlander went 5-0 with a minuscule 1.06 ERA in his five regular season starts for Houston helping the Astros to a 20-8 record in the final month to give them momentum heading into October. As much as Verlander's arrival did for the Astros, Hinch believes the trade proved to be equally beneficial to both parties. We, we talk about what a player's addition means to a team. We, we don't often talk about what a team does for a player. Like him coming to this environment, coming off of successful run in Detroit, but clearly was, was starting with the rebuild. Um, all that means to a player of Verlander's magnitude. What we could do for him is give him that, that energy that's needed to put in the work to get better in areas to, to maximize his performance. And he jumped both feet in, right with Brent Strom and, and our analytical team and what, what we felt like he could do to get better. How do we incorporate the changeup? How do we tweak his slider a little bit? Where he pitches certain hitters. Like he, It was a match that was perfectly made in heaven because – he got the he got the boost of being in the pennant race, which will energize anybody, and especially someone with his ability. The team had the opportunity to 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 jump both feet in with a player who can apply exactly all of these these subtle adjustments and literally do it the next start. Verlander won both of his starts against the Red Sox in the AL Division Series, then won ALCS MVP honors with 16 innings of one run ball and two wins over the Yankees. Did Cashman have any sense of non-buyer's remorse after watching Verlander dominate his club with a trip to the World Series on the line? Never crosses my mind because it wasn't something that was attainable. So you don't you don't play those mind games where it's like, oh, how we. It's not like we chose. Like it wasn't like we had conversations of we can't do this, we don't want this, that type of stuff. It was just more like it wasn't an option. So because it wasn't an option, it was might as well have been a official no trade to us. So it just wasn't a choice. Verlander didn't win either of his World Series games, despite posting quality starts in each outing. But in the end, the Astros emerged victorious in Game 7 against the Dodgers, winning the first championship in franchise history. I can't even put into words. Uh, you know, it was just a, an unbelievable ride. Um, 
you know, from from the question from the questioning everything to uh, getting here and, and and the way that the team embraced me to uh, pitching so well down the stretch and, and and helping this organization win its first World Series. I mean, all of it uh, is very storybook um, and I don't take any of that for granted I mean I appreciate every moment of it and look back at it so very fondly as he recounted his sit down with Keiko last August Luno reflected on the events that led to one of the most important and influential transactions in Astros history Dallas is never one that's shy to speak his mind and, and he wants to win and he wants to be great and and I thought his comments were were appropriate about good teams can be great and great teams can be legendary and I do think with the acquisition of Verlander um, you know, we, we, whatever you want to say, we took it from good to great or great to legendary. We certainly took it up a, a big notch, and and it was the it turned out to be the right move for our, for our team. There's a lot of other starting pitchers that were available in July. You uh, Darvish, Sonny Gray, others that did end up getting traded. We were involved to different levels in those deals. Um, there were relievers that got traded and didn't get traded that we were involved in. But at the end of the day. Uh, with Justin Verlander pitching as well as he was at the end of August and uh, the Astros really needing another starting pitcher in the rotation, uh, it, was, it ended up being the perfect match for us. Verlander is having another stellar season for Houston in 2018, making the Astros a serious contender to defend their World Series title. Nobody knows how 2017 might have turned out had the Tigers and Astros not struck a deal, or more importantly, had Verlander not approved the trade. What we do know is that the last second deal proved to be the difference maker for the Astros, who now boast something they hadn't had during their first five and a half decades as a franchise, a championship. Many thanks to Allison Footer and Jason Beck for their help with this podcast, which we hope is the first of many more like it. You can search for executive access on Apple Podcasts, Art19, or wherever else you listen to podcasts, so be sure to subscribe and enjoy it all season long. If you like what you hear, leave us a review while you're at it. We always appreciate those. And be sure to spread the word and tell all the baseball fans in your life about executive access. Until next time, I'm Mark Feinsand. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey.